Hey there, Twitter. It's Tuesday, my favorite day, and we have a great show for you. Blackish star Miles Brown is here, and author Vashti Harrison is here too. So you stick right there, and we will see you on the timeline. Good morning, Twitter. I'm Zach Stafford, she's Alex Berg, and you are watching AM to DM. I am so excited for today's show because I get to talk to Vashi Harrison, who has this adorable, adorable book. You have been singing these illustrations praises all week, and yeah. I am very excited to see what they look like because I have not ruined the surprise for myself so far. They'll make your heart melt just a little bit. I They're need so it because my heart is cold from this damn weather. <laughs> <laughs> it's so cold, so please warm it up. <laughs> well, here's a tweet from Chris Riona. Eric Swalwell, a California Democrat and former 2020 hopeful, appears to have farted on live television while discussing the impeachment into Donald Trump. I cannot believe I'm actually typing these words. I cannot believe I'm actually reading these off of a prompter. <laughs> Here's a tweet from Andrew Lawrence. Oh my fucking God, sound on. Let's take a look. Taxpayer dollars to ask the Ukrainians to help them cheat an election. And the complaint that I've heard from Republicans. And here's a tweet from Addie Baird. News, Swalwell denies it was him who farted on MSNBC. You know, all I can really <laughs> say is like, this is one of the most consequential political moments maybe of our lives. Mm -hmm. And here we are talking about this man who farted on live television. I am just- Or who allegedly, allegedly, Alex, me. you know, I'm just comforted that even at the time of an apocalypse, <laughs> our bodies are still bodies and that we oh all my fart. God. <laughs> you know, I am disgusted by all of this. Like, I really wish that this were not the news. I agree. So I hate bodily sounds. Like, I'm, I'm a gal that's like, please never fart in front of me. If I'm ever married or have a partner, we are, we are not sharing a bathroom. I don't want to be in the bathroom as you're doing bathroom things. I'm good. But this last night, I don't know if the day was just so long, but it really got me together. I was having me a cackle in my bed. You know, the thing that also jumped out at me is that, like, Swalwell was once running for president. Like, the other day. Um, like, the other day. And just in this news cycle, it's really hard to break through. Yeah. And like, this is the thing. This is the thing that broke through and got his name into all of the headlines. And it's so. far in the hashtag Fartgate has been trending <laughs> for like 12 plus hours. And you know, it's just really, really funny that the most famous thing this man's gonna be known for during the 2020 election is Fartgate. I Not just... running for president. I just, I, I know, Alex. Yeah. It's fun. But you know, everyone farts and everyone has a funny fart story. Uh, so let's take it to the timeline. What's your most embarrassing fart story? Let us know using the hashtag AM to DM. Yeah, this is one internet conversation I will not be participating in. So uh, that's that. All I will say is that I have some great ones about my little sister that I will not share today. Wow. We wow. have some great ones. Okay. And she knows what I'm talking about. She oh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, well, today marks day three of the public impeachment hearings. Here's a tweet from AP Politics. A House committee is investigating whether President Trump lied to special counsel, counsel Robert Mueller. A lawyer has told a federal appeals court. Trump submitted written answers to questions during Mueller's investigation into Russian election interference. Here's a tweet from Byron Tao. Impeachment case could include Mueller evidence, the top House lawyer said in court on Monday. Lawmakers are looking at whether Trump lied in written answers to the special counsel's office about WikiLeaks. We're now going live from the district with BuzzFeed News, Capitol Hill reporter Paul McLeod. Good morning. You guys are coming in hot this morning. My God. I mean, I, I concur. Explosive, I, Paul. Really explosive. <laughs> I'm pushing the eject button to eject you off of set. Okay, but in all seriousness, uh, let's get to this story. What material uh, are investigators interested in to see if Trump lied about this? Yeah, so they're looking for essentially some of the underlying materials that went into the creation of the Mueller report, uh, grand jury materials that have not been made public. Uh, I mean, essentially what they're looking into here is whether or not Trump 
uh, lied to Robert Mueller and his team. Uh, he said under in written testimony that he never spoke with Roger Stone about uh, working with WikiLeaks or finding out what was going on with this these uh, stolen emails. And uh, essentially, Democrats want to know whether that's true or not. Mm. And what does this mean about the Mueller report, and how can it be now incorporated into the impeachment process? Yeah, so this is part of sort of a bigger debate within the Democratic Party about whether or not the impeachment process should be focused on just the Ukraine issue that we've been hearing a lot about, or whether it should be broader. There are people who think that uh, the emoluments clause should be brought in in terms of uh, President Trump, uh, you know, profiting from having a foreign dignitary stay in his hotel and things like that. And of course, this now verges into the Mueller report, whereas in, in the public eye, I think Trump was largely seen to be vindicated by uh, the Mueller report in terms of there's certainly no charges against him. Uh, many Democrats do not feel that way. They feel that there was a huge amount of damning evidence in that report. And of course, notably, Mueller did not clear Trump of obstruction of justice. Attorney General William Barr decided not to pr uh, pursue that. And Democrats now, I think some of them, some of them, see this as a chance as, um, not a redo, but a, a chance to finally per you know, push forward what they believed uh, Trump was guilty of all along. It's interesting because it seems like so much of the news cycle lately has been really focused uh, on Ukraine specifically, um, to the point where I, I like had a moment this morning where I was like, oh, the Mueller report, remember that old thing. Um, how much of it is actually still redacted? Oh, I mean, there's still a lot we don't know. I mean, in particular, a lot of it had to do with uh, grand jury investigations tied to, or grand jury evidence, rather, tied to ongoing investigations, some of which uh, we believe are still ongoing. But, you know, with, with the Roger Stone trial uh, wrapping up, that's one reason there's this push now, this belief that maybe some of this stuff could be now uh, brought to light and made public. Mm. Well, on to some more impeachment news. Here's a tweet from The Daily News. Trump says he'll strongly consider a standing invitation from House Speaker Nancy Pelosi to testify in the impeachment inquiry. The president posted, I like the idea and will, in order to get Congress focused again, strongly consider it. Uh, Paul, is this a surprise? I mean, it's not a surprise that Trump would say that. Uh, if Trump ever actually testified before the impeachment inquiry, I mean, my head, my eyes would bog in my head like who framed Roger Rabbit style. <laughs> No chance this happens. I will bet a million dollars I don't have that there is no chance Trump ever, ever uh, testifies before the inquiry. Now, whether he provides something in writing that was that is maybe more of like a political document, I, I, I suppose that's possible. Mm. And Paul, is it necessary for him to testify in front of Congress for articles of impeachment to be drawn up? I mean, no, it's, it's, it's hugely risky for Trump because if he gets caught up and says something that turns out to be proven false and then suddenly you've got him on lying to Congress and boom, you've just made the Democrats whole case for them. Um, but no, on the Democratic side, you don't need it. You, we've got all kinds of people who have been testifying uh, under oath now. Uh, the, you know, Schiff has been building his case uh, day by day. They are testifying right now as we speak. And uh, I don't think there was ever any expectation that Trump would testify. Well, you mentioned they are testifying now as we are chatting. So what are you going to be looking out for today at the public hearing? It's going to be an interesting day. So we've got people for the first time who have been who are listening in on the Trump phone call. This was, of course, a, a much a topic of much discussion last week. Republicans pointed out the witnesses. Well, you weren't even on the phone call. You never spoke to President Trump. And now even today we have three different people, I believe, who were you know, on the phone call. For me, one thing I'm going to be really watching is and, and that has fascinated me throughout is the Republican defense tactics. And a couple of the witnesses today, uh, you know, uh, Alex Vindman and uh, 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 Jennifer, um, 
of course, I'm going to ask name now that we're live, uh, who's a staffer for a Russia expert for Vice President Mike Trump. Uh, they have gotten a rough ride from some of Trump supporters, and in the case uh, of the of the Penn staffer from Trump himself. I mean, in terms of being targeted in his tweets, uh, and yet these are people who, by you know, every other account, are diligent civil servants who are not you know never Trumpers and not you know trying to. Uh, run around and undermine his presidency. So it's going to be fascinating for me to see how Republicans handle this. How rough do you get with these witnesses? How aggressive do you get in your questioning? Because there's there's a real risk as, as coming off of uh, bullies uh, if, if the witnesses turn out to be sympathetic. But you also, of course, as we all know, for many Republicans, the only person watching that matters is President Trump, and they want to keep him happy. Mm -hmm. mm, keeping him happy. Well, Paul, thank you so much for joining us, and good luck today at the hearings. Hi, great talking with you. Good luck with the rest of the show. Thank you. I can't wait for those, those stories to come in. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I can wait. I can wait a long time. Well, for more on today's impeachment hearings, Syzygy will be talking to Hayes Brown later on in the show. Mm. All right, so here's a tweet from Bloomberg TikTok. Ambulance staff hand out space blankets for protesters still barricaded in the Hong Kong Polytechnic University. Some are suffering from hypothermia, local media reports. Here's a tweet from Ezra Chung. It is the besieged Hong Kong PolyU after a day of massive escape. Most protesters are out of sight as the ruinous campus is filled with eerie chilling wind. Some protesters say they'd rather be jailed for 10 years than surrender themselves to the police. Joining us to discuss from Hong Kong is BuzzFeed News reporter Rosalind Adams. Good morning, Rosalind. Hi, good morning. So walk us back. What are these protests about? Um, well, the protests that you're seeing today are still the result of uh, a long-going um, protest that has started actually now, we're more now five months in, started back in June. It first started over a um, extradition bill. What you're seeing now really is the city sort of revolting against China's encroachment on Hong Kong. It's sort of become this um, existential struggle um, for the future of Hong Kong and sort of keeping its independence from China. Why has a Polytechnic uh, University become the epicenter now of these protests? Um, so to sort of understand what's happening at the universities, you, you have to go back to last week, uh, a little bit more than a week ago, um, a university student uh, died in some police action. And sort of in response to that, protesters started calling for revenge. Um, there were plans to have a citywide strike um, which they've done a couple times in the past five months. Um, and the, the idea there was really to immobilize the city, um, to put road blockades, to shut down transportation all across the city, um, to really send a message to the government that we um, have these specific demands and um, you know what's happening is not okay. There's been such little response um, from the government after five months. Um, and sort of in the course of that, um, in that strike that was a week ago, um, protest or police, sorry, um, entered um, a number of universities last week, um, and sort of in response to that, um, protesters said, "This is not okay. Police should not be on our campuses, on our universities." Um, most of the protests that you've seen in the last five months have really taken place on um, on huge, wide streets outside of government buildings. Um, and last week was the first time, really, um, that police had sort of sort of entered the campuses. And, um, you know, there was there were there was this attempt really to build physical 
blockades um, on the universities. Um, so it started at the Chinese University of Hong Kong. Last week, there was a very, very intense um, a battle um, to keep um, the police from getting onto their school over this bridge. And it was hours and hours of, of fighting over this bridge. Um, and sort of in response to that, other universities around Hong Kong um, you know, responded. They started building literally brick walls with cement. Um, they started they started stocking up on food. They started stocking up on weapons. Um, and as the days have gone by, um, Polytechnic, there, uh, it just it was a very similar thing that happened. Police were trying to get in, and um, uh, they ended up blockading the students in. Um, so this is actually the second or third time we've seen this at a university, but this is the first time that we've seen such a, a blockade from, um, police and, and, uh, really blocking everybody inside. Mm. And Roslyn, are there protesters still stuck at Polytechnic University? And why are these protests only intensifying these past few days? Um, yeah, I mean, there's still, uh, from what we're hearing from people that are inside, there's still about a hundred, um, a hundred people that are left in there. Um, like not all the people, I, I think also it's really important to understand that, um, you know, students did not expect to be there for days on end. Um, you know, the police blocked them in since Sunday. Um, there's diminishing food, there's diminishing, you know, supplies in there. Um, some students, police said it was okay for them to leave. And when protest or when protesters were trying to leave, they fired tear gas to get them back inside. So they're really trapped. Um, last night you saw some students rappelling down, um, ropes over bridges and motorcyclists picked them up. Um, this morning there was an attempt to, um, escape through a sewage drain, um, you are really seeing some desperate attempts by students um, to get free of this, um, this really like this trap that has been set. Um, alongside of that, you have students that um, are saying they won't give up. Um, they're not gonna give into police demands. Um, they think it's wrong what police are doing um, and, and they're sticking there. So um, what you're really seeing is sort of an entrenchment on both sides. Um, the protests still really revolve around five demands that the protests have had. And, you know, there's been such little movement on that from the government. And now you have this sort of physical representation of that when both sides are, are battling um, to keep police off of the university and for students to try to protect their university. Mm, well, Roslyn, thank you so much for your reporting on the ground there and for joining us today. Thanks so much. Coming up, I'm talking to author and illustrator Vashti Harrison about her new children's book, Little Legends, Exceptional Men in Black History. But up next, it's Fire Tweets. Fire! Fire! Welcome back. It's time for Fire Tweets. <laughs> I just really want to call them Fart Tweets so bad to keep it going because farts are hot. Ha, ha, I have nothing ha. to say. I love that I found a thing that I can really bully Alex on. You really can. I am so repulsed so by great. all of this. Enough. <laughs> Queen Leslie, you tweeted, I wish I had the Netflix skip intro button for life in general, such as this story. <laughs> what are you going to say? Or this moment with me. Or this moment with you. There you wow. go. Wow. <laughs> Heartful. Well, at least, you know, well, I don't even know what to say about that because, you know, the skip moment means that you're still experiencing it, Alex. You just don't remember I just don't, it. Well, yeah, or I don't have to, like, live through the painful so, slow So, you know, if you skip through a fart story, you're just going to smell it lingering later and be concerned about what happened. What did I do? 
you won't know what happened. Wow, God. Yeah. Anyway, well, let's take it to the timeline. <laughs> and what life yeah, moments would you use the skip? Do you use the skip button? Let us know using the hashtag AM to DM and Alex. I would never use a skip button on you. Oh, thank you. Mm -hmm, yeah, you because I would never subject you to this. <laughs> Fine. Nish, you tweet it. Nothing about fart jokes, but hearing myself say A on my story the next day is honestly bottom of the barrel. I hate it here. <laughs> I actually think the bottom of the barrel is watching yourself take that shot of fireball at like <laughs> three in the morning that you didn't need. I, I feel that these two things are like tied together. So Yes. Yeah. Wow. I, and I'm a shots girl. I'm like, yes, we need more energy. Yes, and then give me that you end up hit. with your, this Insta story that you're like, I'm shamed. Yep, for sure. And people have memories of me that I don't want to remember. <laughs> Skip button. Barry, you tweeted. When the custodian just mopped, and you're trying to be respectful. So you're like, gotta tiptoe over the clean floor. I'm sorry, that monkey is giving me everything. Mama says, let me skip it's through. Like, toe. <laughs> <laughs> I can watch that for a while. Mike, you tweet it. We asked for hoodie weather, not get in your car and yell shit weather. This is the mood. I. You know, when I lived in LA, it, while it's very warm, you know, it's a good 80 degrees right now, right there, right now, um, the mornings, below 50. And I remember going to the car, like, sprinting and getting in, it's chilling, you're freezing. But here in New York, you get to do that in a subway with other people. But they're warm, you know, you get a little, little closeness. That is uh, an optimistic take on the MTA. I'm really trying to embrace humanity at the time you of the market. You are. All right, ready? Yes. <laughs> Tweet of the day comes from Karen. People say committees don't work, but that's because they haven't seen a group of women gather to help one person draft and send a risky Ooh. text, which I, is true. I felt this deep in my soul. You did. I have used a Google Doc with friends for us to really draft the best comeback. Wow. I tell people all the time, if you say something crazy to me via text, and all of a sudden you, see, you don't see those bubbles going, ready yourself. Because that means I'm really, really going to suck it to you. Your team is being consulted. Oh, yeah. We have, we, we are calling in the girls from all around the world. London, Paris, <laughs> Hong Kong. We're giving you international shade back. So, yeah, watch out, guys. Well, coming up, Alex is talking to Vashidi Harrison, the author of Little Legends, Exceptional Men in Black History. More into DMs up next. tweeted, on my patented woke baby book list, A is for activists, counting on community, many thousands gone, the people could fly, Mufaro's beautiful daughters, little leaders, and little legends by Vashti Harrison, really anything by Vashti Harrison, and I couldn't agree more with that last line, and lucky for us, author Vashti Harrison joins me now to talk about her new book, Little Legends, Exceptional Men in Black History. Welcome. Hi. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so thrilled to talk to you. And actually, um, so your previous book was called Little Leaders, Bold Women in Black History. And of course, it celebrated black women. And I read that you actually, uh, you didn't think that you were the right person to write this book. So how did that change? Yeah, I definitely wrote the first book with kind of a younger myself in mind. Um, so I was thinking about this story, so it'd be really helpful for me a little shy kid who likes to draw in the corner by herself. But over the years of working on multiple books, I've really had to learn so much mm. about um, so many different people. And, and I learned a lot about my own capacity for empathy mm. and how excited I am to share these stories with young readers. So I feel like I've grown a lot in that time and I was able to see how I could provide something to share this story. Mm. So are there any men in here that you're particularly excited about highlighting? Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> so I definitely try to focus on people who don't make it too yeah. big in the mainstream. So um, I really love, right here on the cover, John Robinson, also Bass Reeves, Deputy U.S. Marshal, um, really incredible artists like Aaron Douglas, mm -hmm. yeah. 
How did you uh, like come up with that list? I mean, did you have to do make a lot of tough decisions about who to cut? Yeah, absolutely. The original list was, I think, over 100 people long because obviously there's so many yeah. incredible people to incorporate. But um, in the end, it was really important for me to include a diverse list of different fields of study mm. for kids because, mm. you know, I wanted a doctor and a lawyer for sure, but also like an engineer and an astronaut and things that will get them excited because all too often adults ask kids what do they want to be when they grow up? And I don't think that they have to know, but I just want to give them this knowledge of all these different possibilities so that when they're ready, they'll already know the stories of these cool people. Yeah, what, what you're reminding me of is this, a phrase that Laverne Cox often uses, which is a possibility model, mm -hmm. and how you know seeing someone who represents a piece of you, mm -hmm. sometimes that can really help you uh, feel reflected and also you know, be that model. I mean, were you thinking about that at all? Absolutely. Yeah. And particularly in the way that I drew them, I mean, I could have drawn these people to look like actual famous people, but <laughs> I decided to create this sweet little character. I made it a kid dressing up as these famous mm -hmm. people. And I, I use this kind of simple face in a way that I hope that any a kid could see themselves in any one of them. And I made them kind of close their eyes and I, I hoped that they were imagining themselves as these famous people. So I hope that kids can do that too. I mean, I definitely, the, the pictures are so sweet. <laughs> and just as I turned every single page, I was just like, oh my God, this is the, just the cutest thing. Um, why do you think it is so important for kids to learn about these men in black history? Um, you know, it's an interesting list. Obviously, it was really hard to pick the people. I tried to not focus on the ones that you often hear about. Um, and so in this case, some of the names aren't, you know, the biggest or the best or the most famous, mm. but they showcase the qualities and, and skills and the things that I want kids to, to take from this. Like, you don't have to have perfect grades, but you can work hard. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Bill Russell, I mean, he was an incredible basketball player, but when he was young, he wasn't the best player on the team, mm. but he learned how to be a great teammate. And I think that that's what, you know, transformed him as a player. And so I think that that's the kind of thing I would want my, my friends' kids, the kids that I know, to take away. Away from things like that. Was there anything that you learned that surprised you as you were researching this? Um, a lot. I mean, there are so many new things, but I really love the story of Bass Reeves, who was one of the first black deputy U.S. marshals um, in the States, and he uh, helped patrol um, in Indian territory. Mm. Um, Indian courts didn't have jurisdiction over mm -hmm. U.S. citizens, um, so he had have to go into Indian territory and catch bad guys, and he was so good at it. He used disguises, and he didn't like to use his gun, even though he was a sharpshooter. Such a cool wow. story. People think he was the original Lone Ranger. Wow. Yeah. Well, at the end, you also include a, a draw your own little legend yeah. page. Um, Why do you want to do that? Um, one, I knew that there were so many more people that could have gone in, so I wanted to give kids a little bit of an option to do that and a little bit of agency to know that they can continue the study on their own. Mm. So now that you have this book, I know that you have some uh, other projects going on. Um, where can we see your work next? Oh, next, I'm working on a picture book. I recently finished illustrations on Lupita Nyong'o's picture book, Sulaway, and I'm hoping that I can work on something fiction next. Okay, well, I'm definitely gonna stay tuned and keep yeah. out for all those things. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Me. And you can get Little Legends Exceptional Black Men in History in stores now. Up next, Zach Chats with Blackish actor Miles Brown. Trev26, you tweet it, LOL. I love Jack, he is funny and awesome. Miles Brown, you're an awesome actor. And Naima tweeted, the kids on Blackish are growing up and Jack's voice is changing and I'm not ready. Here with me now is Blackish actor and star of the movie, Boy Genius, Miles Brown. Morning. What's up guys, how you doing? Good, how are you doing? Good, I'm good, I'm super excited. 
And uh, I'm pumped. I'm pumped. I'm so glad that you're here. Also, the fact that you're about to surpass me in height is really. I know. I'm about to right surpass now. you. It looks like I'm about to surpass yeah, you right it, now. Like I'll go like this. <laughs> you're gonna get there. And you know, I'm a lot of and you know, growing up, people are gonna talk about your height a lot because you are mm. growing up on TV. Right. What's it like to have that experience? Um, it's pretty crazy because like. I've been on this show since I was like nine. Mm -hmm. And um, it's weird seeing myself. Oh, no. It's very, <laughs> it's like weird seeing myself like from season one and all that stuff because like it just shows how much like the kids change from season one. Like every single kid on the show has changed like crazy from season one to now. And, and it's super awesome seeing the progress in me mm -hmm. and, and me like my height difference, all that crazy stuff. And um, it's pretty awesome seeing the ending. I go back to watch some of the season one episodes. They're really funny and all yeah. that stuff. And uh, it's pretty awesome to see those. What's yeah. it like to see yourself change so much? Because I feel like when you're like yeah. a young person, you're changing mm. by the day. Yeah, you're exactly. You're now aware of it. What's that like? Um, it's crazy because like in the moment, you don't like when you wake up, you may have grown, but you don't really realize it till yeah. maybe like a week later. It's like crazy that to see the progress because when I was going back to those moments, mm -hmm. I didn't really think I was going, but it really, I really was. And and uh, it's pretty awesome to go back to watch those yeah. videos. Because, I mean, all, all the kids on there can say the same exact thing as me. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. Well, you know, you and the cast of Blackish seem to be this incredibly tight-knit family. Not just yeah. on the screen, but off the screen. Exactly, yeah. What has been uh, your most beloved experience about growing up with those group of people? Um... I mean, it's just like my like my brothers and sisters, and I mean, if you're talking about all the, the cast, like my mom, my dad, Anthony, Tracy, every single person on the show has pretty much been my family since I was like eight, nine years old. So it's like it's pretty crazy knowing that, and they just feel like my real family. Yeah. So they feel, or they feel like my second family. So every I see them all the time. I always hang out with them, even if we're not filming. So it's just like it's that you know normal family bond that we always have with each For other. For sure. And I yeah. feel like off the screen, you all have to have a lot of fun. You know, oh, Anthony's all the funny, time. Tracy's exactly. funny. Yeah. Who would you say is the biggest jokester? Definitely Anthony. Really? Definitely <laughs> Anthony. He's the biggest jokester on set. I mean, I, I could be probably a good second. I could mm -hmm. be a good second. You're, you're number two? But I, I know Anthony, he just he just does not care. He just wants to get the joke out, and uh -huh. he's really funny. He's are, a really funny person. Are there any funny jokes that you could share with us today? Um, Really funny jokes? Man, it happens every single day, <laughs> to be honest. Um, I mean, I could say, like, funny moments, like, Every single time we have a guest star mm -hmm. or like anybody special comes on set or anybody wants to visit, um, like I'll have my family come on set and, and I'll be like, Anthony, can you take a picture with my cousins mm -hmm. or something like that? And he'd be like, no, I don't know. I don't know you. <laughs> Get out of my face. And obviously he's joking, but it's just like, it's really funny. He's a really, you know, awesome person. He seems He's really great. cool. Yeah. That's great. Well, some of the ladies that you work with, Marseille, Tracy, and Yara, are doing yep. huge, huge things. Right. What are you learning from watching their careers as, as black women in, in America? I mean... I just look at them as my my sisters and like my mom and, and it's it's just really awesome to see them like grow and and do everything they're doing. Like I'm so proud of them. I was with them when they're doing all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's awesome seeing like the reaction from fans and all that. So I'm excited for everything that they're doing. And, and uh, it's pretty, I'm like, I'm like a proud brother, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, so, so it's really awesome seeing everything. And um, it feels like, it feels like I'm just a part of the whole process. With for sure. Them. Yeah. For sure. The, they're your family. Exactly. Exactly. Together. Yeah. Yeah. So your character, Jack, has had some crazy storylines over the past few years. Right. Lots of funny jokes. What mm -hmm. has been your favorite thing that he's done on the show? Um, my favorite thing that Jack has done? Yeah. Oh, my favorite thing that Jack has done. Um, well, I feel like, <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, personally for me, it was really awesome because like sometimes we get to film stunt scenes mm -hmm. or like I get to like do a certain sport activity. Like I played basketball in one of the recent episodes 
And, um, and for me, Miles, that's just really awesome because I haven't had that opportunity to play a character who can mm -hmm. play those sports and stuff. And I know Jack enjoys that stuff. So a lot of the different you know, stunt scenes that we had, I fell down the stairs. I was on top of an ice cream truck throwing money off the truck. <laughs> um, it was a bunch of crazy stuff, and I feel like that was Jack's craziest moment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, throwing money off an ice cream truck is... It's pretty cool. Insane. It's a pretty cool experience. But also goals. Like, that's some wealth. Yeah, it's there. exactly goals. It was a good Instagram <laughs> picture right there. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm good sure. Instagram picture. So this year, you took the leap off the small screen to the big screen in the movie Boy Genius. Right. Which, congratulations. But Thank let's you. take a look before we talk about that. Define equivocate. To use ambiguous language so as to conceal the truth or avoid committing... Obdurate. Stubbornly refusing to change one's opinion or course of action. Officious. Assertive of authority in an annoyingly domineering way. Do you memorize all of the SAT words? No. <laughs> so what was it like starring in your first big movie? Um, it was crazy because as soon as I started filming that, I just finished filming Blackish. So it went straight from small screen, straight to big screen. And it was like, it was a little different the way we filmed and, you know, the setups and everything. But overall, it was a really fun experience. It being like my first movie mm -hmm. and the whole cast, the whole crew was just, you know, really comfortable and everyone was really awesome to work with. So it was really, it was a really fun experience and hopefully I can do it again. Yeah. And you play a character named Emmett. Yeah. What drew you to playing his, him? Um, I mean, it's just, there's a lot of things that I guess I can relate to, and there's a lot of things that I've always wanted to play in a role. Like, sometimes characters want to play somebody that's similar to them in real life, or somebody that's the complete opposite. So it's really, you know, challenging for to, you know, to play that character. And uh, Emmett, he's a boy genius. He's 12 years old in high school with his older brother. And, mm -hmm. and uh, it was just really awesome because he still values family. Yeah. And um, he values friendship over anything. And I feel like it's really important for the for you to have those values. And it's awesome for me to play that character. For sure. So you made me think of something. You're playing these two guys right mm -hmm. now. Who would you say you relate to more, Jack or Emmett? Well, I feel like I relate to Jack in some different ways, and mm -hmm. then I relate to Emmett in some other ways. I definitely wouldn't relate to Jack academic-wise. He's not really, you know. <laughs> you're, um, you're not studying for the SAT right now? No, no, no. Uh, uh, Jack is definitely not studying for the SATs. Um, but, I mean, there's a lot of things that Jack can do that I'm always, you know, related to. He mm -hmm. loves basketball, loves to dance, loves his family, loves to have fun. And there's a lot of things that are similar to Emmett as well. And um, that's why I feel like both characters are really awesome for me to play because yeah. I can play two different sides. Yeah. And it's um, really awesome for the fans to see. Yeah, you have range as a person. You know, yeah. you're not just a jack, but you can also be an inmate. Exactly. Both these at the same yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So talk to me about playing, you know, a character on TV versus a movie. Which one was harder for you to kind of get comfortable with? Um... Well, I mean, it was different because my certain roles in the in the film or in the show was different. Like, and I mean, I'm the main character, so I had to, you know, do a lot more scenes and stuff. Um, I don't know, because movies are a lot more compact, where episodes, we film one episode a week, and, and we have breaks and stuff like that. And um, I don't know which one was harder. I mean, definitely filming Blackish was longer mm -hmm. because we went over a whole long time span. But I feel like overall it was just a fun experience. It didn't really feel hard. No. I mean, I've been doing Blackish for a long time, so um, it was easy for me to adjust. But for Emmett or for Boy Genius, I feel like um, it was a really fun experience. So I, don't, I wouldn't say it was harder than Blackish anything. I would just feel like they were both just awesome for me to do. Great, yeah. that's great. All right, so you know, you're, you're a TV star, you're now a movie star, but what's next for you? Um, a lot of things. I mean, more, more everything that you guys have seen so far. Um, music, my album, my singles coming out soon. Hope you guys Amazing. are ready for that. We the future. And um, I'm super excited for everyone to hear that. Just overall growth and, 
And uh, um, it's personally exciting for me to put out because I've been wanting to do music for a really long time. Mm. And uh, for everyone to, you know, to hear it, I'm super excited mm. for that. And what message do you want people to get from that title, We The Future? Sounds um, very inspiring. Yeah, We The Future. I mean, well, the, the album cover you guys will see soon. Um, I feel like it's just showing the amount of power and the amount of influence that the youth have mm -hmm. in the world and society, but some of us don't know that yet. Mm. We can literally change so much by using the youth and I feel like it's a really important message to get out there without the whole entire album. And um, for me, as a kid, to sit, to you know, to speak up and say that, I feel like it's really important. And it does. That's the main message I wanted to get. Completely, God, yeah. I say this all the time. Young people are the future. They're gonna save exactly. Us. We the future. Climate change has nothing on young exactly. people. Exactly. <laughs> well, Miles, thank you so much for being here today. Thank Congratulations you. Congratulations on all the greatness that's happening. Thank you. Well, y'all can watch Miles on Blackish Tuesdays on ABC. Up next, Sizzy G is going to be on, and you don't want to miss it. I'm Syzygy, and the library is open for a very special edition. Instead of RuPaul's Drag Race, I'm talking impeachment with the one and only Hayes Brown, who, before he was the internationally renowned host of BuzzFeed News podcast, Impeachment Today was my humble co-host and part-time intern. Hi, Hayes. <laughs> Hi, Syzygy. It's been a minute. It's good it to has. see you. You're, I'm on to Impeachment Today, and you're still here. I'm getting impeached. What? <laughs> So, okay, so we have to dive right into it. Yes. Please. Now, really quickly, can you do a super quick recap about mm. today's hearings and what we should expect? Okay, so, honey, we have two people testifying in the morning and two in the afternoon. Mm. In the morning, we have Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman, who looks like he would rather be doing anything in the world than testifying before Congress right now. Poor thing. Um, he was on the... Both he and Jennifer Williams, who is an aide to Vice President Michael Pence, uh, were on the July 25th phone call with Donald Trump, the one where he talked to the president of Ukraine and said, hey, I would love you for... I would love for you to do us these favors, mm. including launching investigations into the, 2020, the 2016 U.S. election and Ukrainian involvement in it, uh, which was not a real thing, mm -hmm. total conspiracy theory, and into the Bidens. So both of them heard this with their own ears and mm. now testifying to Congress. In the afternoon, we have testimony from Kurt Volker, who was mm -hmm. the special envoy for the U.S. to Ukraine. For Batman, yeah. Yes, exactly, correct, the Volker. Yeah. Um, and then we also have Tim Morrison, who mm -hmm. was a White House staff for dealing with Russia and Ukraine. Oh. Their testimony in the afternoon might be a little bit better for the president's defense, but we'll mm -hmm. see how that all washes out. Mm. So you said a lot of names that I yes. don't know and I honestly don't care about. But out of the members of Congress doing the questioning, who do you think is really slaying the challenges so far? Ooh, slaying the challenges so far. I would say that... On the Democratic side, I would say that uh, Jim Himes has been doing mm. a great job. He's a high-ranking member on the committee. He's been there for a while. I would also say that um, on the Republican side, I gotta say Will Hurd. He's a Republican who is retiring. He's not running for election in the next uh, cycle. He's from Texas. He's also seemed the most willing to ask the most normal questions on the Republican side. He's not basically just reading off like from Breitbart. He's actually asking intelligent things that will get you like answers and hopefully answer some of his questions. So I'd say mm -hmm. that they are in the realm of like slaying the challenge so far. Now, when you threw that shade at Breitbart, that would have elicited a shady rattlesnake. Yes, it absolutely would. Have there any been moments so far that you think initiate that uh, shady rattlesnake? Uh, there's been a couple of shady rattlesnake moments, including uh, at one point, Representative Jim Jordan, who is a Republican, huge Trump fan, mm -hmm. who got put on the Intelligence Committee just for these hearings. He was going on during the first hearing about how we're not going to get to hear from the whistleblower. This is the chairman's fault. 
fault. He's the worst, yada, yada. The American people deserve to hear it, uh, deserve to hear from the person who started it all. And a Democratic congressman named Welsh said to him, I too would love to hear from the exact person who started this. President Trump is willing to take a seat right there if he would like to show up. And everyone's like, oh, Damn. Exactly. <laughs> World star. But impeachment. World star. <laughs> okay, wait, wait, wait. So after seeing the first week of witnesses, who do you think literally or metaphorically served the best look? Uh, we're going to go with literally in this case because this is a recap. And I would say that the best look, it's a, its a tie in my brain sure. between either uh, Deputy Assistant Secretary of State George Kent, mm -hmm. who was rocking a bow tie. Apparently mm. that's his trademark. And uh, former ambassador to Ukraine, Marie Ivanovich, who had a very oh. fetching scarf that was actually parodied on SNL. Yeah, there it is. I love that look. Very strong. I mean, she's maximalist goals. I think that that's what I'm going to do this year for Halloween. Oh, frankly. absolutely. <laughs> it's a very, like, stylish, classic look. Mm -hmm. It's weird. It's wild that every single diplomat that they've called before Congress, you look at them and go, like, wow, you dress like a goddamn diplomat, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so wait. So I will be honest with you that my go-to lip syncs mm -hmm. are typically Breitbart articles, but <laughs> who, who do you think really deserves to be lip syncing right now? I think lip syncing right now would have to be uh, ranking member Devin Nunes because mm -hmm. he's been really asking a bunch of questions that don't really get any information out there. His questioning is mostly to muddy the water. And unlike Jim Jordan, who I mentioned a second ago, mm -hmm. his seemed kind of more meandering and confused himself rather than like sharp pointed attacks to really like get the witnesses off their game. His are more kind of like, when you're in sixth grade and you're being bullied by someone who's really bad at bullying. Oh, well, as a bully myself, I can, <laughs> I really, I really sympathize. It's with really that. important to see bullies on television, so thank you it for is, your representation. I, I am representing all of the um, kids compensating for things. That's me. Uh, so, what do we have to look forward in next week's episode? I'm so sorry. I mean, the week's hearing. So in this week's hearings, aside from the four people we have today, we have another five people testifying between uh, tomorrow and Thursday. Oh, it's so many people. And these hearings expected to go on for most of the day. They start mm -hmm. at 9 a.m. Most of them will probably go until like 6 to 8 p.m. So we can expect to hear a lot about not just this call that Trump had with mm -hmm. Zelensky. We're expected to hear from people who were in the room, uh, not just people who have listened on that call, people who were in the room talking to the Trump. The room where it happened. The room where it happened. I we don't we have the rights. That. We don't have the rights. Actually, cut, cut that out. Cut it. Um, but no, I expect us to hear a lot from people who have firsthand knowledge about not just mm -hmm. the uh, call, but also the events surrounding the call, which uh, is what the Democrats' case is building up to. The Democrats have been layering their case very well. Republicans have like slammed them for saying, they, oh, your star witnesses on the first day, they didn't tell us anything. Mm -hmm. But that's not the strategy. The strategy is to build layer upon layer to show that, yes, this is what happened. The president it used his office to ask for political favors to benefit him in 2020, and to do so, it seems very likely he held up nearly $400 million in military aid to Ukraine to help get that point across. Hmm. Well, Hayes, you certainly give us 
a lot to think about. I will say that I know for a fact, I'm just hearing it from our producers, mm -hmm. that I am the 13th queen oh. that is going to be brought onto the hearings. Well, um, congratulations. Thank you. It turns out I'm the whistleblower, and I've blown a few whistles in my life. So, uh, here we go. no complaints. <laughs> <laughs> okay, everyone. Thank you, Hayes. And be sure to subscribe to Hayes' podcast, Impeachment Today, for all of your impeachment needs. Yeah. Okay, that's enough of that. Ah. Get the fuck out of my way. Well, hello, America. It's me, noted home economics economicist, part-time housewife, and full-time genius syzygy. And I'm serving up some thoughts on this year's Thanksgiving spread. Mm, let's open up the oven and see what I've made. Pie. Well, it's peach. What do you know? Here are a few tips and tricks for throwing the perfect Thanksgiving dinner with your family in the midst of impeachment season. Step one. Brine your turkey and use a dry brine. A liquid brine is just fake news. Two, set the table for at least one fewer guests, depending on how many racists you have in the family. Now, if you can't find the pea tape on your own, store-bought is fine. Nobody eats cranberry sauce, and if they do, they like the can. And finally, debates will happen. Remember, political discourse is important and drives people to the polls. Engage when you can. Your uncle's logical fallacies won't stand up in a debate, and frankly, he probably has frequent trouble standing up his own fallacies. Anyway, happy Thanksgiving familial debate season, everyone. In one year's time, your family will probably be debating what went wrong during the 2020 election. But for now, I'll settle for a slice of pie, except pumpkin, because that's disgusting. Now, back to our regularly scheduled programming. Ah, that felt correct. Anyway, more AM to DM is up next. Welcome back. Uh, it's time for Addis, and I've literally been dreading this moment. I'm so excited. Because why? People love talking about farting. And Alex hates it. And I have found my new thing. I'm going to get you a shirt that says Fartgate. Oh. I'm going to get whoopee cushions around. I'm going to do all the not. things. God, I love this day. No. So good. See why do you say so good for me? 100%, y'all. Back in action. I'm just, I'm trying just not even <laughs> to engage. I don't want to encourage this anymore. <laughs> well, we asked for your embarrassing fart stories. Ashley C. Ford tweeted, I farted while interviewing a celebrity for Profile. And she said, damn, girl. <laughs> Oh my God, Ashley! Tell us who it is. I'm trying yeah, seriously, to like, like really, and who was it? Like, please, because she's interviewed a lot of people. Ashley hosts the show Profile on Facebook, uh, so lots of celebrities come on there. So but we know this, it's a woman. But I think this was a, a magazine profile because she's done a bunch of cover stories. So we should do an investigation after this. And but she had a, her show here was called Profile. But she says so, for Profile. For pro okay. So we don't know if it's for profile or what. But if it's for profile, the show we have the footage, girl, and we will release it. All right. <laughs> I'm kidding. We won't do that to you. <laughs> Neander Wallace Vivo added on a conference call once somebody forgot to go on mute while letting out an audible and apparently painful dump. <sighs> oh my oh. God. That is like actually worst nightmare realize to think, because you do a lot of crazy things when you're on a call. Like, do you? you? Well, yeah, you like cook, whatever. You live a life and put it on mute. I do this all the time. But did, I have fears that one day that it's not on mute and people are going to hear. I just want to like melt into the floor <laughs> right now. I just want to be ejected from planet Earth. Well, you can't right. be, Alex. You know why? Because there's still more tweets about it. Uh, Alex London added, the day my first book came out in 2007, I was on NPR's All Things Considered, sitting in the booth, being interviewed by the inimitable 
Andrea Seabrook, nervous and excited. It didn't make a sound, but it was just the two of us in there, and she knew it wasn't her who farted. I'm sensing a, like, trend here of people doing kind of high-stakes media things, you know, that this is happening. Also, a clip we can find and play back and check. I'm going to enjoy reporting out on all the fart stories that you all have submitted. Well, fact-checking, really. Like the New Yorker just copy desk. Just, like, leave me alone. Leave me out of it. This can be your thing. <laughs> Fine, we can move on. Okay. I'll see this more. Well, we also asked, will you forgive Chick-fil-A and eat there now that they've pledged to no longer donate to anti-LGBTQ organizations? Elizabeth and Dara tweeted, I'll just continue to do what I've been doing, which is to donate to the Trevor Project every time I eat at Chick-fil-A. Expensive as hell, but I love waffle fries. Nice oh, strategy. I love that. Yeah. You know, ethical consumption. Yeah. That's what I think that's going for. Well, you know, I, I mean, I will not be going to spend money there soon, but I'll spend Alex's money if she lets me. Why <laughs> would I do Hi, everyone. <laughs> I'm noted baker Betty Frocker, and I do have <laughs> Betty Frocker. <laughs> I just came back from Chick-fil-A, and I actually, I did bring pie. Is Hold this on. from Chick-fil-A? No, uh, Kayla made it. Oh, Here, I have Really? Wow. Oh, my God. Here, take the Here, fork. take the fork. What type of pie is it? It's not what? pumpkin, because you hate pumpkin. <laughs> it's peach pie, because it's... <gasps> Peach season. Oh my God. Well, you know why peach is perfect for today? Because we've been talking about Fartgate and you know what a peach means. <laughs> why do you have to do that right when I'm eating? This is why I don't come on this damn show so anymore. Much. Bye, girl. Thanks you for get the so peach. fed up. Right. Well, thank you to our guests today Paul McLeod, Rosalind Adams, Hayes Brown, Syzygy, Fashida Harrison, and Miles Brown, and Fartgate. <laughs> <laughs> we will be back here tomorrow at 10 a.m. with more AM to DM. Have a great day. <laughs> I'm done. I'm leaving.